0: Welcome to the Jim K. Ford Sends Nation podcast with Steve Warren and the coach Greg Kennedy. All right, welcome to our program. Thank you, Big Voice. You've done a great job once again. Coming up today here on the Jim K. Ford Sends Nation podcast, Senators are 29th in even strength scoring right now. Why is that with all the high end talent they have up front? Why is Boston so good? I don't know if you had a look at the standings <laughs> the top of them. Uh, it's getting ridiculous. We're talking late 70s Habs type numbers. We'll get into that. Austin Watson says part of the Sens' identity is dump and chase. How do we feel about that? And the Dunrobin Distilleries hockey poll for today. We'll get to that as well. All still ahead today in the Jim K. Ford Sens Nation podcast. with Steve Warren along with Greg Kennedy, the coach. How are things, coach? Things are great,
1: Stephen. I hope you're having a good day down there. In what do you, Well, I guess you actually live in Manitic,
0: Ontario. Is that what it's called where you are? Yeah, I guess so, yeah. It's all city of Ottawa, but I guess I'm in rural Ottawa. So, oh, yeah, everything's yeah, fine. Yeah, okay.
1: <laughs> rural Ottawa. I live in the heart of Canterbury, Ontario.
0: <laughs> That's not rural at all. Not rural no. at all. My my land's actually zoned agriculture, so it's, uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm as rural as it gets. I'm technically a farmer, I guess, as far as the city's concerned. Yeah. Get some goats and some rabbits and stuff, man. Come on. Well, marijuana is legal now, and people are always looking (laughs) for places to grow it. Maybe I'll help people out and uh, get a little farm of that going. There's all kinds of things we can do. But uh, that's a story for another day. Let us launch in today. And one of the things that I see people talking about today, both in media and in social media among the fans, is five-on-five play. I think we all agreed at the start of the year, and we still feel that way. The defensive zone coverage... And a thin blue line is probably the biggest reasons why the Sens are where they are. But all of a sudden, a new angle rears its ugly head. And that is the fact the Sens, it's a bit of a struggle for them, five on five to score. They're 29th overall in the league in even strength scoring. And put your coaching hat on for a second, Greg. What is the reason for that? Is it likely to be that the top guys are just making hay with the power play and aren't playing as hard in even strength? Or is it the lack of secondary scoring of the guys down low in the bottom six? Yeah, that's interesting, right? I, I I read that and
1: I didn't I didn't see it that way, but yeah, you're right. Is it the fault of the bottom guys not being skilled enough, or the top guys not working hard enough? Yeah, that that's an interesting take on it. I just think that the, I don't the have a Senators, take. I'm just
0: throwing it out there. I'm giving yeah, you both okay. options. There's all no right. take from me at all. I'm just <laughs> presenting both possibilities. Maybe there's a third one. I think that it. I don't know, but for whatever reason, I, the Senators do
1: not seem to, when they play to, quote, to their identity, they're a down-low generating team for offense. They they create offense off the cycle and work in the puck low to high. But you've got this top six who are high-end talent guys who want to score off the rush. And too often than not, if you don't score off the rush, it's a one and done. And I think sometimes the high end guys don't get the sustained offensive zone time that they need to generate a goal that's going to come off a second chance or a third chance or, you know, more opportunities on offense by maintaining possession in of the offensive zone. And then the, the, the bottom six guys. When they get off their game, when they're not getting pucks in deep and forechecking hard and yada, yada, if they're not establishing that forecheck early in a game and creating their opportunities that way, then they don't score either. And you end up with what you end up with lately.
0: Yeah, I mean, you've got a situation, I think, where it may be a bit of both factors in play. And and you can't help but look at the bottom end guys. And part of this is the fact you've got injuries to guys like Matthew Joseph and Josh Norris. Once they get healthier earlier, I mean, once they get healthy later this month, that is going to move things around. The chess pieces move in such a way where all of a sudden that bottom six now has Pinto in it. All of a sudden that bottom six has Matthew Joseph in it. We saw those guys clicked well with Tyler Mott earlier in the year. And Mott's out too, and he'll be back soon, I would think. Um, Don't know, though, on the Mott front. I shouldn't speak at a turn there. But right now you've got, you know, the likes of, Austin Watson, and, and keep in mind all the bottom six guys—they're not getting any sniffs at any uh, power play time. So Austin Watson, six points. You got Parker Kelly, four points. Mark Kastelik, four points, and even guys like uh, Eric Branstrom. I mean, he, Eric Branstrom's not here for his defense. You know, I mean, he's he's obviously a defenseman, but you know, he's a puck mover. He's supposed to contribute offensively. That isn't, defense isn't the bigger part. It's like Shabbat. You know, you're, this guy's here because. He's going to play, you know, create some offense and then move the puck. He's got three points. He hasn't scored in over 100 games. He's got three assists this season in 35 games. So, I mean, I think the secondary scoring has to be better. Uh, Part of it is manpower, but I think part of it, too, is not giving them a game plan. And uh, as I mentioned in the headlines, to hear Austin Watson talking in terms of part of our identity is dump and chase. I don't know that d. j Smith is necessarily giving them a bit of a game plan to create offense. I think that they're just there's placeholders. I don't think there's any expectation for them to have any chip in at all as far as offense goes and I don't know that that's the right tact because you need you know maybe your fourth line you can have that way, but your bottom six they all seem to be in that mode right now
1: yeah and and you kind of alluded to it there too. the slotting has an effect. Like like let's be honest, this is not the third line that we expected to see all year, right? We right. expected to see uh Joseph and Pinto, and actually for most of the offseason, we figured it was Formanton on the other wing. You know, now you know, you bring in Tyler Mott, who 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 showed some some jam and was was putting up some decent numbers before he went down. So that that third line, suddenly your fourth line can be a lot stronger when those three guys, Mott, Joseph, and Pinto, are your third line. Your fourth line is better. Your fourth line becomes what essentially is your third line right now. Uh, These are guys that play limited minutes. They're not counted on or expected to produce offensively, but hey, in a third line role, you got to contribute some. There's got to be better stats coming from those guys. And the fourth line, I, I would think that in a, on a normal night, fourth line playing against another fourth line, I think a lot of nights the fourth line would be better. The Ottawa Senator fourth line would be better than the opposition. So it, maybe it, it, it has more to do with slotting and where guys are playing right now.
0: Here's what Austin Watson had to say after the game on Monday night a 3 0 loss to the, his old team, actually, the Nashville Predators. You know, if we've learned anything from, you know, just when we got going good in December, it's that we're good when we play the way that the Ottawa Senators play. Um, you know, we don't play run and gun, we don't turn pucks over at lines. Um, we're north south, we dump and chase. It might not be sexy, but it works for us. So there's Austin Watson saying, yeah, so they're all about dump and chasing. And I think the question wasn't just about the bottom six. I kind of perceive it that way, but I think he's talking more about things in general. When we're going well, part of what we're doing is dumping and chasing. And when I think about what they have at the top of that batting order with Brady Kachuk and Tim Stutzla and Alex Debrinken and Drake Batherson and Claude Giroux and, and and on defense, you get Shabbat and Sanders. I think to myself, they get skilled for days at the top you got a big drop off after that I, after that I get that but do you think do you think he's DJ Smith's in the room telling those guys as well to dump and chase I don't think so but but by the same token he he
1: he would definitely want more out of them better than one and dones like hey guys if it ain't working off the rush get the puck in deep I, I know it's a it's a line that we all hate hearing but that's that's how you generate scoring if it doesn't come off the rush that's how you generate scoring in this league you get down low you cycle a puck you outnumber eventually and you free up a guy and, you know whether it's a two cycles and hit a guy in the slot or it's two cycles and hit a guy at the point or two cycles and walk out high or walk out low that's how things happen in the NHL and i think there's a maybe a an aversion to trying to do those kind
0: of things in the top six group that we have here. The Sens right now have 63 goals at even strength right now that places them in 29th in the NHL in that category. And what do you, do you think it's, I mean, standings are the biggest measurement obviously of what a team is, Mm -hmm. but to me, what you achieve at even strength to me gives me a better sense of what you'll become playoff time because five on five is harder hockey. And especially today with, you know, coaching today has just turned it into just a big grind, like this skill muting structure that they put in place defensively. If you can score under those circumstances rather than, as the Sens do, make hay on the power play, I think that's, well, I want to know what you think. I think that's a better barometer for potential playoff success down the road. What do you think? I
1: agree totally. Like
0: uh, power
1: plays and penalties are called less in the pi- playoffs. We all know that right. you're going to have any success in the playoffs. You better be able to produce five on five. And this is a team like, we, like you just said, 29th in the league on five on five offense, 21st in the league, five on five defense. That's not a good combination. Uh, they don't produce enough five on five and they give up too much five on five. And we know the problems defensively okay, so can we try to fix the problems offensively at the same time? Because I think on nights when they are successful, let's face it, it's the power play or they had a really good night five on five and scored a few goals for a change, but consistently the, when they win, it's because of power play and and that's not going to get
0: you anywhere in the playoffs. Look at the Boston Bruins right now, just an unbelievable story. They have, do you know they have an eleven point lead on the entire league right yeah. now? Crazy! It's just uh, totally they're thirty two four and four at the midway point. They lead the entire NHL by eleven points. That's a points percentage of eight fifty. So, Sens fans will probably go, "Well, we're oh, we're two and zero against them." <laughs> um, so, ask bring the on the first round matchup. Then, come on, yeah. <laughs> so, what do they got that the Sens don't? Uh, well, lots of stuff. Starts with having the best team defense. They've allowed an average of 2.11 goals a game this season. That's almost half a goal better than anybody else. They also have the second most goals scored in the league behind only Buffalo. And I think that's where secondary scoring comes in because right now at five on five, I looked at the stats before we came on. Of guys that have 10 points or more at even strength, the Bruins have 14 guys. That is twice as many as the Senators who have only seven. So, I mean, there's lots of barometers in there. There's lots of reasons why the Bruins are better than the Sens, but secondary scoring, uh, it's been said a million times that has to be there. I, I mean, you are as top heavy as the Sens are right now. You're easy to game plan against. Shut those two lines down. We almost don't even have to worry about the other guys dumping and chasing in the bottom six. But again, it'll get a lot better, I think, when Norris and Joseph get back later this month. Yeah, but I also think that,
1: um, Maybe you need to temper your, not necessarily you, but we. everyone kind of needs to temper their expectations here. Like, let's face it, 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 this is a 500 hockey club, right? They might be in a bit of a sniff for a playoff spot, but probably not when it comes right down to it at the end of the year. And 500 hockey clubs, they, hey, they win just as often as they lose, So maybe don't get so excited when they win a couple in a row and maybe don't get so flabbergasted when they lose a couple in a row. That is the nature of the beast. That's what you're dealing with here. Uh, They are what they are. Who's that? Denny Green? Yep. (laughs) They are They are what they are. You know, the the record reflects exactly what they are. They win about half the time. You know, they're going to lose a couple in a row. They might win a couple in a row. Okay. If they win four in a row, they're probably due to lose four. You know, it just, that's the way it is. Uh, Until this team gets a little more depth and especially a lot more experience and adds a couple more parts, this is what they're going to be.
0: Well, it's a red flag, I think, if nothing else, because, again, as I said off the top, most people who complain about the senators and and where they're at right now, they talk about the top four defense and the overall D-zone coverage. And I think the conversation we just had just... Plants sort of a red flag and that maybe not is everything's not as rosy as we think uh, in the forward core and uh, in, t- in terms of the scoring part of it. I didn't think that was going to be an issue this year, but, uh, you know, you can't help but wonder. Interestingly enough, do you know who the actual top scorer in the entire league is right now at even strength this season? And I love looking at these stats rather than, I mean, the power play is a a different game, right? Obviously, you time and space that you don't have five on five. I really like to know who the the top guy overall in the NHL is in even strength. It's not McDavid, and it's not Sidney Crosby. You have any idea who it might be? Most points in the NHL, five on five. That's right. Miko Rantanen. It's a good guess. I love that player. It is former Ottawa Senator Eric Carlson. Oh, geez. <laughs> yeah. I would not have thought sense. that in a
1: million years. <laughs> but if you stop and think about the production that he's put up this year, and he's in San Jose, who don't exactly have a great power play. I guess it makes sense, doesn't it? But still, a defenseman is leading the league in five-on-five scoring. That's a shocker yeah. in and of itself. And then yeah. that it's Eric Carlson. That's, yeah, that's a bit of a surprise,
0: isn't it? Yeah. I, I, mean, I mean, he's having a terrific season, but I think the last two, three years, we've kind of gotten it in our heads that, you know, really one-dimensional, you know, take shortcuts from time to time. A little bit the way Thomas Shabbat plays the game. Um, that wouldn't have been the guy I would have chosen. It would have been a McDavid yeah. or someone like that. But uh, anyway, interesting discussion. Let's take a time out of the program. When we return, got lots to get to still. We will get to our Dunrobin Distilleries hockey poll for today. As we begin the new year in the second half of the season, who has you most pumped up to be a Sens fan right now? And some uh, some smaller storylines as well including our hatred of the offside challenge. We saw a couple of those in the Nashville loss. So we'll get to those and much more coming up after these words. Reignite your passion for driving at Jim K. Ford. Check out all the latest innovations in the hottest vehicles like the Ford Bronco, Mustang, Maverick, F-150, and more. And for your comfort, if you're in the market for a new or pre-owned vehicle, Jim K. Ford will absolutely say yes to bringing a vehicle to your home or place of work for a demonstration and test drive. Jim K. Ford in Orleans or jimkford.com. At Jim K. Ford Lincoln, (laughs) we say yes! And did you know Ottawa's very own Dunrobin Distilleries has been winning prestigious awards internationally for their spirits? It is true. Their gins won gold and silver last year out of the UK, and their whiskey came in second place as the best Canadian whiskey in the entire country. Grab some Dunrobin Spirits today at various LCBO locations across the province or buy directly from their website at DunrobinDistilleries.com. So we'll hit the Dunrobin Distilleries hockey pool. Hockey pool. Hockey pool. So let's open up the Silver Linings playbook and begin the new year and the second half of the season with something positive. Who or what has you most pumped up to be an Ottawa Senators fan right now? I know that uh, you look at things in the more objective sense and don't like to look at things as a fan per se, but if you put yourself in the shoes of a Sens fan, <laughs> what, who would you be most fired up about?
1: I, I've got three things. Do you want all three or do you want to go one at a time and switch off here? Uh, go all three. Okay, number one, I'm very pumped about the future of Tim Stutzla. Mm-hmm. I, I I never would have foreseen him to be an elite level player, but he he shows me more and more every night that maybe he could be someday an elite level, top flight, like competing for scoring championships. You know, scoring forty or fifty goals someday. I'm, I'm excited about Stutzla. I'm excited about the future of Jake Sanderson. Really love watching this kid play and think he will be, if he isn't already, the number one defenseman here and hopefully for a very, very long time. And the third thing I'm excited about is an ownership change. I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing who comes in, who they bring with them, and what kind of things and what kind of changes they make and, uh, and how the future plays out with a new ownership group.
0: And you, yeah. my friend? I've got uh, Sanderson and Stutzler were big ones in there. I think the three pillars for me of this team right now are Sanderson, Stutzler and Kachuk. So I'm looking forward to seeing how they maneuver things around that. Um, I'm keen to see what happens with DeBrinket. um And I, I agree with you on the ownership front. That's going to be fascinating. I don't much care about the arena thing, to be honest. I mean, it, it'll be kind yeah. of cool to have something downtown, Honestly, I was happy with it in Canada. Downtown's fine, too. I'm in Manitake. It's about the same distance both ways for me, so it doesn't matter to me. I know a lot of people are uh, pumped about that, but I'm looking forward to a new coach, and I'm hoping that with a deep-pocketed owner that we're going to see a, a legitimate investment in coaching because it has been for at least a decade, maybe 15 years, it has been the opinion of the ownership they had that coaching... Is something anyone can do. Yeah, a million bucks or less, then I'll consider you. If you're asking for more than that, market value, then hit the hit the highway. So I want to see the Sens bring in a guy that uh, that other teams want, not just a guy that's available. I would agree. Yeah, it, okay. it's it's time. Like I,
1: I would say it's been um, maybe since since Jacques Martin. You know, and when Brian Murray had his stints, I would I would say Paul McLean did a did a very good job. He won Coach of the Year, but even at the time he was hired, his head coaching experience was negligible, if not zero. I think, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it just seems that that yeah, guys that come in here are retreads, you know, in a, in a boucher down and out. I need another job. Oh, Ottawa give me one, or they're first timers, and it's just it, it, this team is due for a a
0: name. You know, a guy with a with some cred, a guy with a yeah. resume. I'd love to see that. Yeah, I'd say Jacques, Jacques Martin would be the only guy maybe in the entire Melnick era. And uh, that was before the Melnick era, come to think of it. So really mostly in the entire Melnick era, there was never a serious investment like I'm going to outbid Team B to bring this guy in. It's time that happened. Now I don't I don't care if you get a bidding war or not. It's time to get a guy in his prime who's got a track record of success and experience and not just have guys learning on the job or only here because no one else wants them.
1: Well, I'll tell you this. I would take Jacques Martin today. So would I? Yeah. He's consulting with
0: the Kingston Frontenacs. Right. I'd I'd be happy to have him here. Claude Julien is still out there. Yeah. Anyway, it doesn't matter who it is to me. It's just, it's time for an investment and, and, time to bring somebody in with a proven track record anyway so let's get to some of the good listeners feedback one
1: sec though before you move on did you catch the um in i'm not sure if it was in the hockey central or if it was during the game last night the panel had a question was put to them it was uh anson carter keith yandel and cassie campbell pascal yep and the question was put to them Uh, between all of the players, the young kids that Montreal has and that Ottawa has, who's the one guy that you'd want first? Yandel went first and said, Kachuk. Anson Carter went second and said Kachuk, and Cassie Campbell said she wanted to take Kachuk, but just to add some flavor to the panel, she went off and took Suzuki. But basically, it was three for three, would have all taken Kachuk. That's over any of the other senator young guys. That's over Caulfield or Suzuki or Like I think that's pretty impressive that, that people are starting to see and understand and appreciate what Brady Kachuk brings and what type of player he is in this league.
0: Yeah. It's a sore subject with Habs fans, of course, because the guy they selected at that draft in 2018 was Jesper Kotkaniemi, who is, well, he's a member of another organization and they got absolutely nothing to show for him. Meanwhile, Kachuk probably has 15 more years of excellence in the National Hockey League. Um, I thought you were going to tell me about uh, Dave Hackstall being in Cassie Campbell's <laughs> wedding party. <laughs> yeah. Not that I, did, I didn't hear about that about 15 times during the broadcast. Anyways, <laughs> that was lovely. That was lovely. Get back to the poll, though, and uh, some yeah. of the listeners' feedback on what has you most pumped up to be an Ottawa Senator fan right now. Kevin McNamara writes, The new era in Sens history, building with a solid foundation of youth and skill. Pat McGuire, one of our great writers on sensnationhockey.com, writes an ownership change and just the thought of stability. Disco Stew, the 2020 draft returns. Yeah, the 2020 draft has served this team well, and we haven't even seen Ridley Gregg in the NHL yet in the regular season, anyway. Stutzlin Sanderson. Oh my God. Um, as much as I like Carlson the way he's having a great season, that uh that draft has been pretty damn good, and I want to talk actually about the second rounders in the 2020 draft here in a second because there were three of those, and they're not all panning out exactly uh, <laughs> the way they'd hoped. Uh, they're not, not even in the same stratosphere as the first rounders. Ian Braslins writes, Stutzla, I, I swore off buying Sens jerseys with player names long ago, but his play this year has me reconsidering, and just the fact he irritates Montreal fans so much puts it over the top for me uh jassel 1992 definitely the potential house cleaning new ownership should bring dave gagan incoming ownership new coaches and gm ownership ownership sanderson timmy and an overhaul of the front office and hockey ops i was never uh eugene melnick guy but the girls have done just fine um so thanks to everybody who uh who answered our poll today we really appreciate that and uh, don't forget you can also connect with us by way of email sends nation at outlook.com. All right. So Tyler Clevin in the news. So I didn't want to talk about those three second rounders in 2020. We know the first rounders are working out beautifully, but the second rounders, they seem to have lost a little in the way of the hype machine. Tyler Clevin comes to mind. The other ones, Igor Sokolov, and then you've got Robbie Arventy. Clevin though, is defenseman of the week in his league. He's playing down at North Dakota, of course. We don't don't spend much time talking about North Dakota now that Jake Sanderson is no longer (laughs) there. But I'm I'm not hearing anything about Clevin. He had four goals in a sweep of Lindenwood, game-winning goals both nights. And, uh, I mean, any hype at this stage for Clevin is a good thing because I I really believe that uh, his stock has dropped mightily in the past year. Yeah,
1: he's kind of the forgotten man. I don't know can he step in and be in the top 4 he he'll bring a much more much 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 more physical presence than what the senators have to choose from now so it's just a matter of whether he can skate and think and play at this level and I I don't know and we'll probably never know until he until he gets out of
0: school and gets here um but but yeah maybe he's the answer Sokolov you know. is simmering 35 points in 34 games thus far And if secondary scoring is an issue with this club, and I think we agree that it is, is he someone that you would look at in the second half? Obviously, there's still, I mean, DJ Smith is going to be, I don't know, another three months before he waves any kind of playoff white flag. But in reality, we'll be able to see here in the next two, three weeks whether this team is going to, you know, go all hamburglar on the NHL's ass and really, you know, reel everybody in. So, to me, it's time to start looking toward the future and start bringing up guys that you, know, you might want to kick the tires on or see where they're at developmentally. Bring up Ridley Gregg. Bring up uh, Angus Crookshank or an Igor Sokolov. Do you think there will be any of that, or will it be a case of they'll just refuse to give up?
1: I, I think they're, they're they're in full let's get back into the playoff race mode for now. For now I mean, maybe maybe at a certain point yeah you you might see some of these guys uh, sokolov I just I sorry I think he's going to be a career minor leaguer I don't know that he's ever going to be able to produce to that level uh, that he produces now in the American League that he's going to be able to carry that to the NHL I think that his skating his in his speed uh, will not allow him to play in a top six role uh regularly in the NHL I think he's his skill level says he's a bottom six guy but his his uh, hands and and his skill level at the same time allows him to produce in a top 6 role in the American League and that's your your standard tweener and right now he's not even a tweener he doesn't he doesn't even get to come up all that often right a tweener usually plays for a couple of weeks and then goes back down and up and down he's not even that so i'm not sure that he's he's the answer i don't i don't think he's the answer
0: i don't like his skating for sure yeah. that's my only concern quality guy has hands and I like that he's developing. He's better than he was last year. 35 points in 34 games. That's a big upgrade. And so I like that he's developing. I don't know that he's going to get to that place where I want him in the NHL, but I'm certainly willing to try, even right now, kicking the tires on some of these guys, whether it's Sokolov, Greg, or Cruikshank. bring them up, or even Max Gannett. Maybe you can provide some offense from the blue line scenario. He's having, you know, he's put up, at least in the American Hockey League, decent numbers for a defenseman. If you need secondary scoring, it's not all from the forwards in the bottom six. It's maybe your three, four, five, six defensemen can chip in once in a while there as well because there's no offense at all coming from the bottom three defense. So you know, I'm just at a stage where you need secondary scoring. We just talked about it. And why not try some other options out there? Because what's happening now just isn't working. I think it will be repaired somewhat again with Norris and Matthew Joseph. Sounds like Joseph might be back on this road trip. So True. either in Arizona or Colorado, and that certainly will help. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm all for mad science. It's not like everything's peachy keen right now.
1: I, I wonder if 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 you bring these guys up, you know, one at a time, and you put them in a top six role, and they can produce a little bit, does that raise their value? Like, let's face it, Yarventi Sokolov, these guys, they showed stats, serious stats before they turned pro. Mm-hmm. Um, are they still in the mind of some GMs or out there in the NHL who think, you know, maybe that guy's something that I could, I could work with and turn into something. Do they become trade bait? Are they possible chips to use that allows you to keep a Ridley Greg or a Shane Pinto when you go out shopping? You know, if you can get them up here and they can have some success up here, then maybe that, that increases their value and their potential trade chips down the road but you'll never know till you get them up here and you won't know when you get them up here, unless you play them where they have to play. If they come up and play fourth line minutes, they're not going to produce anything. And it's, it will be a waste of time.
0: Right. Uh, Speaking of prospects, some of these junior hockey deals that are going down at the deadline are just bananas. Uh, The Vancouver (laughs) giants got, uh, got rid of Zach Ostapchuk, their captain. He's a sense prospect, of course, since they got rid of him. But, uh, They made a deal and sent him to the Winnipeg Ice in return. And this is actually one of the lighter deals. I saw a bunch that were way worse than this. (laughs) The Giants acquired three first-round picks, two forwards, two prospects, and a fifth-round pick for a stop chuck. Like, the junior hockey deals are unbelievable. Like, some GMs are just saying, I don't care what the next guy, I don't care if I just clean out the next GM for the next eight drafts, I'm uh, I'm going to town here and giving up, you know, the farm. I mean, these deals are wild, aren't they? Well, remember a couple of years ago when Windsor made a deal and they traded like their 2026
1: second round pick or something. It's absurd. Yeah. And the other one that gets me about this stop a stop Chuck trade here is you could see the Vancouver uh, GM holding out. Look, I'm not making this deal. You got to add something. I got to add something. And so, okay, fine, we'll throw in a fifth rounder. Okay, fine, yeah. deal. You know, yeah, yeah, after all that other stuff and a fifth round pick, like really? Yeah. You, you had to have it.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I, I think you have to be born to be involved in a junior hockey trade. <laughs> well, they talked about
1: making changes to the rules, but I'm, I, I confess, I'm sorry. I'm not sure if they did or didn't, but they did talk about it at, at the CHL level. Like some of these deals are a little ridiculous
0: when you're trading picks five and six years down the road. Yeah. One other thing I wanted to talk about as a sideline is uh, a couple of goals were disallowed due to offside challenges in the Nashville loss. And uh, it just had, it, it always, old school term coming, it always gets my dander up when that happens. And I think it's gotten to a stage now, Greg, where I find it more annoying, the offside challenge that wipes out a goal that we all celebrated moments earlier. I find it more annoying now than puck over glass even. And that's saying something for me because I've been anti-puck over glass for many moons now. What do you think of the offside challenge wiping out goals in a league where it's really, really hard to score? I hate it. Like, it's just, it's stupid. Like, just get rid of it. Like, I I, I
1: understand the whole get it right crowd. It's, it's okay as long as they get it right. Well, if you if you adhere to that rule, there's all kinds of other things going on in the ice in any hockey game where if you took out the rule book and you wanted to get it right, there'd be all kinds of other things going down and penalties called left and right. I look at it like nine times out of 10, it's a millimeter or, you know, maybe a couple of centimeters at max that a guy was offside. And I think to the strike zone in baseball, or I think to the, you know, the general vicinity of a touching second base to turn a double play, or I go to a, there's a, there's a holding call on every play in the NFL. You know, they're okay with those things. They don't need video replay to catch these things after the fact. They're not so concerned about them. Although baseball's getting worse. They've got video replay now, but not on a strike zone. Mm-hmm. And I just think it's just, it's silly. It was an overreaction. To two things. It was two plays. The 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 uh, Matt Duchesne one and there yeah. was another one in the playoffs one year, but the Matt Duchesne one was the worst one. And all of a sudden, oh my God, we gotta do something. We have to have a reaction, we gotta do something. And they brought in this stupid video re- review, and it just it it's it's brutal. Just get yeah. rid of it completely.
0: Yeah. I agree with your thought about if you're going to review the offside call before a goal is scored then why don't you feel compelled to review everything that happened? Let's go back and look at that potential trip or a hook or any number of things that might've happened leading up to the goal. Why Mm. is that the sword that you need to die on? Why, why is that the one that's just because you really don't, if you're only a millimeter offside, you really don't have that big of an advantage as the attacking (laughs) team. Anyway, just to reset the offside rule is in place. Like back in the twenties when guys would stand beside the opposing goalie while the puck was down in the other end of the ice. That's what the offside rule is meant to prevent, not a skate-lace offside. Mm-hmm. Um, the the officials do a really good job for the most part. Now, having said that, that was way offside in that Sens-Nashville game, the, the Brady Kachuk goal that got disallowed. Yeah, two of them. I don't like it. And the other thing that it does, and you brought up the NFL – That was one thing the NHL always had over the NFL until this rule came in was that you had the spontaneity of celebration and you almost never saw a goal come off the board in football. It's just part of the deal. NFL, CFL, whatever it is, flag is thrown. You don't know what it is. The play continues. Touchdown. Yay. Our team is one. Oh no, wait, penalty that the spontaneity of celebration is lost and yeah, you're constantly when you watch, you're like, oh, I hope there's no flags and and can we celebrate now?" You're at a sporting event; it's entertainment. You shouldn't have to ask that question. Can we celebrate now? Here, here, I agree with you totally. Yeah, I'll give and you another one. It out. You, okay,
1: I, wait, a minute. I'll give you another one. You, 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 you score a pro, I would say, oh, well, probably 100 percent of NHL goals that are scored in the offensive zone off a face off. Mm-hmm. Somebody had a toe or a stick or their whole foot or something inside the circle on the original face-off that led to that goal, right? That guy that's should have been great- kicked
0: out of the draw. So that's a, fan- oh, that's a fantastic example because the other ones I gave are subjective, right? You know, a hook. Yeah. Well, you you know, can read into that. Was it a hook? Wasn't a hook? But that's a great example. You you can easily review and see where the skate was on the line. Was it an illegal face-off? Yeah. That's the ticky-tack garbage we're talking about here.
1: Yeah that's but that's what happens when you go down the road of oh as long just get it right just get it right you yeah. well okay you've opened the door there's all kinds of things there of just get it right that would really piss you off
0: yeah and you know what i'm pretty used to you know being a citizen of planet earth <laughs> to things being occasionally unfair i will i will get over it it's a hockey game at the end of the day not life's not always going to be fair What I want is spontaneity. What I want is to be able to celebrate in the moment and not worry about if it's okay or not. Well, Um, May 20,
1: May 24th, 1980 Stanley cup final game six.
0: I scored a goal that was probably at least two feet offside. Right. Right. And and you've lived
1: and I'm still here.
0: Yep. Uh, Closing it out today, ladies and gentlemen, enough of our griping about existing NHL rules that aren't going anywhere. Um, The sends are back in action and they'll be playing in the tiny arena in Arizona. like so four or 5,000 fans, and uh, it's all about getting Ws at this stage of the game, so it's all secondary, but, man, it's going to be weird playing a meaningful game, like a really important game in what will feel like, I don't know, some of that craft hockeyville they had going on out east in these tiny minor hockey arenas.
1: That'll be cool, though. I, apparently, everything about it is first class, Everything about the arena and about the show and the production they put on and the games have been is awesome. So it's it it'll be okay. I'm I'm gonna I'm looking forward to it. I, it'll be interesting to see. I've watched a couple of Arizona home games already this year, and the fans are right into it. And it's loud and it's exciting. And if they were playing in a twenty thousand seat arena down there, would there be many more than five thousand folks in the barn to begin with? I don't know. So it seems to be working for them uh i'm 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 looking forward to seeing it and and i i hope the sends getting on the road and pushing a restart are going to come out with a good effort
0: all right you know it, you love it you can't live without it it sends trivia time brought to you by kodiak security systems you will be the quiz master today in that you were the only one of the two of us to remember to come up with a Sens trivia question leading into the show so um. Yeah. Let, how, how many seconds will I need for this? Is it a multi-answer deal? It's it's a, it's a multi-answer. So don't right.
1: worry. You know what? Last week we didn't use
0: a clock, did we? That, that we don't need a clock. I'll, we'll, I'll give you some time. You can figure it out. All yeah. right. I usually okay. edit out all the ums and ahs and wondering. <laughs> usually gets edited out anyway. So I'll make it. Uh, I'll make it easy on the listener.
1: Okay. Uh, the Ottawa Senators in the 1992 NHL draft, of course, selected Alexi Ashton in the first round. Mm-hmm. They have selected a grand total of thirty-five players in the first round of the NHL draft. Okay, only eight n- have yet to or never did play a game for the Ottawa Senators. Ooh. I think I think two of them are probably pretty simple right off the bat. Um, I don't know how many of eight do you think you could get. I, I, I'm, you know what? I think that if you had enough time, you'd get them all. But for for the sake of this, uh, I, can you come up with five?
0: uh tim gleason yes brooks like he wasn't a first rounder he wasn't a first rounder oh darn um then there was that guy what was his name oh european guy yeah um was it kleppish
1: yep traded to washington for verada gleason by the way was traded to la for uh smoke
0: Others that did not play in the first round, who were first-rounders, never played for the Sens. Uh, Matthew Schwinnard wasn't one, was he? Yes, he was. He played, he, was one game,
1: he played one game in the NHL. Two
0: minutes, two
1: shots, two saves. That was his entire NHL career, but that was for the LA Kings. Wow. So, yeah, wow. Matthew
0: Schwinnard was a first-rounder, and then two years later was a second-rounder. Okay, other first-rounders who never played for the Ottawa Senators... Well, we talked about one last show, Steve. Oh, Stefan Nason. Yeah. Uh, went to Anaheim. Oh, I, I in got there's another Army one from Field. that same draft. There was Zibanejad. Of course, he played for the Sens. Be careful. Stephen Nason. What? That guy played 52 games, that other guy. Oh, he did for the Sens? Yes, he did. Pumple? Yeah. Yeah, he played 52 games oh, for the Ottawa Sens. Shoot, I thought he didn't play any games. Okay, first rounders who haven't played any games yet would be uh, Ridley, Greg, yeah, um, and
1: Tyler Boucher. Come on,
0: yep, 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 yep. Okay, okay. give me the rest. I'm just, I'm, I'm just you got them all. got them
1: all. Well, okay, the, the what, one that refu- the one that refused to play here in '95 draft pick.
0: Oh yeah, Brian Berard.
1: Brian Berard. Yeah, you got Gle- you got Schwenard, You got Gleeson. You got Kleppish. You got Mason. Uh, Twenty seventeen.
0: 2017,
1: yeah, and uh, the guy, the guy has proceeded to play one game in the National Hockey League with the Colorado Avalanche.
0: 2017. Um, oh yeah, that's uh, Shane Bowers. That is correct. Well done. Uh, that's no, but that, that's idea. one of those good ones. That's that's a
1: you know spark some conversation and bring back yeah, some that,
0: memories. That's a good question. I like that one. I like that one too. Excellent question. So there's today's Sense Trivia and it's brought to you by Kodiak Security Systems. Thanks to Mo and everybody at Kodiak and they're keeping your home and business safe and secure in Ottawa for the last 40 years. All of Kodiak's systems come with a complete warranty and their friendly technicians are the best. Not hired contractors. They are all Kodiak employees who truly understand the systems and the highest standards of installation. So switch your monitoring to Kodiak Security today and as a bonus... Receive three months of monitoring absolutely free. Kodiaksecurity.ca, 2801 Riverside Drive. Tell them your friends at the Sens Nation podcast sent you. And there's a bear in there. There is indeed a bear in there. All right, then. Ladies and gentlemen, we'll call it quits right there. Don't forget, you can email us anytime. Podcast at Outlook.com. Our website is SensNationHockey.com. All kinds of cool stuff there, building and building and building, and lots of new articles there as well. So uh, please check that out. Until our next episode, go Sens go. Get her back going. And uh, Greg, we'll talk to you next time. For sure. Thank you, Steve. Thanks for being with us on the Jim K. Ford Sens Nation podcast. If you're enjoying the show, please subscribe and review. Share this show with your friends and followers or become a member on Patreon. Check out our website today at SensNationHockey.com.